At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. The numbers told the story they always do. It's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. This is a numbers game with Gil Alexander on VSIN. Good Monday morning to you. It is a numbers game at VSIN, the sports betting network, VSIN.com, the VSIN app, Game Plus, iHeartRadio, YouTube TV, all proudly brought to you by BetMGM. It's Gil Alexander. It's Kelly Bidlin, the madness. Good morning, Kelly. How you doing, man? Hey, man. How are you? I am uh, I'm great. March Madness always delivers. Always. Um, whether you won your bets or not, the event delivers. Let's put it that way. I have much to say about what, ha- what went down yesterday, specifically how the end of that Creighton game was uh, covered. But we'll get to that momentarily on the show. Tim Murray will have much to say, not only about the games that were, but also about the two Final Four games. San Diego State favored by two over the Owls of Florida Atlantic. UConn favored by five and a half over Miami. We'll update the championship formula in a year where everything is blown up. The formula on its last legs. We'll get to it. We're on its last leg this year anyway. One team can validate it. The other three? Yeah, not so much. <laughs> not Wait, so what much. Are you talking you're talking you're, are you saying that FAU, Miami, and San Diego State were not expected to be in this position? That That's correct. Crazy. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> but it's reflective of the year that was. And remember, even with that formula, remember even Houston and Alabama at the top were like, Houston barely qualifies on points and assists. Alabama, excuse me, Alabama barely qualifies on points and assists. Houston barely on strength of schedule. Everybody was teetering all year. UCLA didn't beat three teams that were top ten percent of RPI. We'll get to that a little later. Um, Paul Spore on baseball, doing a baseball doubleheader. It's baseball week here on a numbers game, and on the network it should be, I would imagine. Where uh, we're doing the Megapod, uh, we're doing the Beating the Book podcast. Beating a book, uh, baseball preview, Spore, Burke, and Weingarten. How about that trio? That's a nice look. Looking forward to that. But Spore will be on the show just to go over everything else that he's bet here and that he's looking at uh, before the season starts on Thursday. Every team in action on Thursday. Wes Reynolds will join us in studio. We'll talk golf and college hoops with him as well. Maybe some baseball. He might have some thoughts as well. And Ken LaVica, who uh, you were able to get on because he's your buddy. Ken LaVica, who's been the play-by-play voice of the Florida Atlantic Owls for... What is it now? 16 years? 15, 16 years? Yeah, about 16 years, yep. He will play his winning call, final seconds of his call, and the story behind how it almost didn't happen. Imagine waiting all these years for this moment, what you've dreamt of, and it almost didn't happen. Ken Levicka will rejoin us uh, on the show today. Let me just talk about the games this weekend first uh, before we get to all that because I just want to get some thoughts out. First of all, we, we haven't had a chance to talk about uh, the Saturday games, let alone yesterday's, real quickly on Saturdays. 
Uh, speaking of FAU, they beat Kansas State 79-76, to and the improbable happens. And Will Hill deserves so much credit. Mm-hmm. He came on the, the Beating the Book College Basketball March Madness preview, and he called it. He said FAU in the Final Four, and it happened. Number nine seed uh, in the Final Four, FAU gets there. By the way, nine seeds or lower in the Final Four since seeding began in 1979. Penn from the Ivy League did it in 79. It's like my oldest college basketball memory. Believe it or not, they got to the Final Four as a nine seed. Shaq's LSU team in 86 got there, 11 seed. Jim Laranega's George Mason team famously, 11 seed in 2006. VCU from first four to final four, 11 seed in 2011. Wichita State, ninth seed in 2013. Syracuse, 10 seed in 2016. Loyola Chicago, who could forget that, 11 seed in 2018. And then the first four to final four UCLA team was an 11 seed back in 2021, none of whom made it to the final game. None of them. So in that respect, as far as nine seeds and lower, Florida Atlantic trying to make history, trying to make history in this game against San Diego State come Saturday. By the way, this real real quick, just like contextual tweet, which is just the most basic thing, but it's just amazing, just reflective of how Michigan of this tournament has been. This is from John Fanta. Last year's Final Four, Blue Blood Fest. Duke, Carolina, Kansas, Villanova. I know Villanova, you're not quite like the others, but you're kind of like the others. This year, UConn, Florida Atlantic, San Diego State, and Miami. It's incredible. It's wild. The, it's, the other one that jumped out to me, Gil, is this one. First Final Four without a single former McDonald's All-American since oh, the NCAA tournament began seeding in 1979. That's awesome. How incredible is that? That is incredible. It's absolutely incredible. So FAU wins that game despite committing against Kansas State now, 79-76, despite committing 22 turnovers in that game. Yeah. K-State had 12. But FAU made up for it by out-rebounding Kansas State 41-16, 12-3 on the uh, offensive glass. They, they have a turnover problem. They, they definitely have a turnover problem. Before that 22 during this tournament, 12, 11, 8, and 11 in the turnover column, and they've been able to overcome it. You won't be able to do that against San right. Diego State. It's not going to get easier. One yep. would believe. By the way, yes, the broadcast, the TBS broadcast, still showing, still showing Marquise Noel's brother even today as he goes to the dentist. Like, they just couldn't stop showing him. <laughs> and it got awkward because they were focusing on Noel and his brother the whole game yeah. that it got awkward when FAU took the lead and it looked like they were going to be like, <laughs> uh, how are they going to spin yeah. this now? They've spent the whole day <laughs> focusing on this one thing. So FAU gets in, historically amazing. What a story. Again, shout out Will Hill. Then UConn just destroys Gonzaga, 82-54. to 54. Maybe I shouldn't say destroy it. it. They were up seven at the half. You had a competitive game to that point. But then 25 seconds into the second half, Drew Timmy commits his third foul, offensive foul. And a minute in, UConn had gone from 7 up to 12 up. And then 221 into the second half, Gonzaga's down 10. And Timmy gets whistled for a very questionable fourth foul. And 61 seconds after that, UConn was up 18. Just like that. And quite frankly, the competitive portion of the evening was over. They led by as many as 33. They won by 28. So UConn, who has clearly been the best, most dominant team in this tournament, they advanced to the Final Four. Yeah, I liked them on Saturday night, but I was wondering if Gonzaga was going to give them a bit of a scare. Man, they took care of business easy. The Timmy fourth foul was kind of like, okay, this is over. Yeah. As it turned out, it was over quick. All right, then yesterday. We have to get to yesterday. So San Diego State beats Creighton 57-56, to and I just want to get into this. 
I feel like everybody's focusing in on the wrong thing here. San Diego State wins it on a free throw from Darion Tremel with uh, 1.2 seconds left. The foul that everybody's talking about on Ryan Nemhart should it have been called, should it have not been called. There are three things that should have been discussed at the end of this game. And I feel like the CBS studio crew, Greg Gumbel, Charles Barkley, Kenny Smith, Jay Wright, and Gene Steratore actually made an appearance with Clark Kellogg in studio. I felt like of the three things, they focused on the least important thing the most, the second most important thing the second most, and the single most important thing not at all. What they focused on the most was the 1.2 seconds at the end. Should there have been time left for, for Creighton? Should they, they went Zapruder film? They had Steratore in. Oh, Steratore's talking about how they, should have, how they went to the old school shot clock to determine. Kenny Smith is arguing, yeah, but even if you use a shot clock, there's human delay. And, you know, Ken Pomeroy's on Twitter. I agree with Kenny Smith. It, it doesn't matter. Ball probably went off Creighton anyway. So, like, they, they focused on this forever. It was just like, this is the, it, guys, it's over. The 1.2 seconds thing, you don't need to discuss it. Mm-hmm. And they discussed it for, like, four or five minutes. Now, the other thing that they did discuss is the big debate, which is going to be all over, you know, was all over Twitter and TV yesterday and will be again today, which is, should that have been a foul? The game is tied at 56. And with 1.2 seconds left, Tremel goes up. Nemhard has his left forearm on Tremel's back and his right hand on his waist. And the debate was, it got really, it got kind of heated in studio because Clark Kellogg was, was raising his voice. But Jay Wright, who's awesome in studio, really framed it correctly, which is there's two debates here in one. One, there's the, the, more, there's the debate of, do you call that in the decisive moment of a game? And Charles Barkley's old school, he's like, you don't call that to decide a game. Now, I always... I always get upset about that kind of logic because, like, no, if it's a foul, it's a foul, yep. whether it's at the end of a game or the beginning game. But Jay Wright also pointed out there's a second debate within that, which is, I think, a relevant debate, which can be, which reasonable minds can actually bat back and forth, which is whether you called it that way the whole game. And clearly in that game, they were letting those kids play. Yep. So the fact that they whistled that, that I think is a reasonable argument about why that should not have been called not the not the argument of well you can't have that to decide a game that's that's brain dead to me i completely agree with you i was i told you before the show i watched the end of the game actually on mute so i didn't hear the announcers talking about it and watching the shot i said i said to myself that's a foul i think it's a foul he's selling it a bit but it's a foul but I completely agree with it it should. It is one of those foul calls that should go in with the rhythm of the game. Yes. If have you been calling these all game or okay. not? But here's here's the main point. They didn't focus on it for even one second, and I think this is what everybody's missing, and it's driving me crazy. The most important thing in that final sequence was none of that, in my opinion. It was the fact that Greg, Greg McDermott told his team to give the foul at six to give the foul. So with 6.7 seconds left in the game, Creighton fouls San Diego State, and then they get to reset the, the play clock. The shot clock goes off, and it's just now we get to set up a play for 6.7 seconds left. Now, you can argue, oh, well, the play was a broken play kind of anyway, and it just happened how it happened. No, 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 no. If you let that play clock run out, there's like two – there's exactly – let me be precise – there would be 2.4 seconds. There was a 2.4 second discrepancy between the shot clock and the game clock. Now, usually in those situations, 
and, and how, it was, how it was developing, San Diego State was going to have a harried shot at the end. They were, they they were going to have to make that play on the fly. And I think it would have benefited Creighton to have let it gone, and Creighton would have gotten the ball back probably with three, four seconds left. So they would have had a shot to win it also in regulation. That would have been Harry too, but they would have had a shot at it. That was the big mistake. That was the big mistake because it allowed San Diego State to draw up something. And with 1.2 seconds left, which they would not have had, that play happens. Tremel gets fouled. He hits the one of two free throws to beat Creighton 57 to 56. I just think that's the point everybody's missing. They're going to debate the 1.2. They're going to debate should it have been a foul or not. That's the decisive moment of the game to me. We'll come back. Tim Murray's thoughts. On the other side, Numbers Game Visa, the Esports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. A numbers game on VSEN, the sports betting network. It's time to download Nevada's premier sports betting app, BetMGM Sports. BetMGM with all your favorite wagering options, along with in-game betting, boosted odds, specials, and much more. Download the BetMGM app today and stop by any MGM casino on the Strip with your state-issued ID to open an account. Start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada, whatever your sport, whatever your betting style. You're going to love BetMGM state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling prompt call 1-800-522-4700. The other thing about those two games yesterday is how similar they were in the sort of trajectory of the games. Creighton went up seven points. Well, first of all, first half, we should point this out. Creighton shot 54% from the field in the first half. San Diego State 43%. But it was one of those things where you looked up at the scoreboard at halftime. You're like, wait a minute, Creighton's only up five after shooting 54%? Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. So, but Creighton was up seven points with 13-14 to go. Up seven points with 13-14 to go. You know how many points they scored the rest of the game, Kelly? How many? 15. Nice. That was it. And amazing they were even in it, right? They tie up the game with that uh, Baylor-Shireman steal. Uh, that, that errant lob pass lays it in San Diego State ball with 32 seconds left. And that's when the, uh, the sequence we just described uh, happened after that. And we'll, we'll get uh, Tim Murray's thoughts on that. And then Miami and Texas... I had Texas in my final four, sort of the same thing. Texas is up eight at the half. Every time you thought they might run away with it, they can't. Same thing with Creighton. We're like, oh, is Creighton going to blow this? No, not quite. Miami stayed in contact. But again, Texas led by as many as 13. They led by 10, 70 to 60 with under nine minutes to play. Guess how many points they scored the rest of the game? How many? 11. Yikes. They got outscored 28 to 11, 28 to 11 the rest of the way. So from the 10:01 mark 
to four seconds left in the game when Wuga Poplar missed a meaningless free throw. Miami went 17 of 17 from the line. Jordan Miller famously 7 of 7 from the field, 13 of 13 from the line, 27 points. Only he and Christian Laidner in the last 60 years to go 7 for 7 or better on field goal attempts, free throw attempts, uh, and free throw attempts in an NCAA tournament game. Um, and here from OptiStats, over the last 25 seasons, there have been 134,377 instances of a D1 player taking at least 20 total shots, talking field goals and free throws. Jordan Miller, the only one of those to make every single one. So anyway, you That's slice insane. it. Historic. And Jim Laranega, George Mason and Miami to the Final Four. Phenomenal. Tim Murray joins us, everybody. He's the uh, host of VEASAN's Prime Time, along with his buddy Sean King. How you doing, Tim? I'm all right. I'm happy for Jim Laranega. I uh, would have been happier if Creighton had taken care of business, Me but too. such is life, Gil. We move on and uh, yeah. we try to find winners elsewhere. Did you, I mean, I guess, I'm, I guess I'm contractually obligated to ask you, how did you feel about the foul at the end of that game? Uh, I'll say this. Initially, I'm like, you can't make that call. And then the more you think about it, it, it was the right call. He gets beat. He puts his yep. hand on his hip, kind of aids him a little bit. I mean, it wasn't the most egregious foul call. He didn't smack his arm down. I don't know if the the world goes crazy if they do. Uh, they let it play. Um, obviously, that game was officiated pretty loosely. I felt like they were letting him play. There was a a lot of bodies getting thrown to the ground and 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 whatnot. But it, at the end of the day, you know, even though I had Creighton, I had to take a step back. But yeah, that was, that was the right call. I mean, you, you have to call it. And, uh, and Nemhard got beat and then he, you know, he tried yep. to make up by it by kind of aiding him on the hip a little bit. You know, I'm sure something, look, Gil, that's something that you kind of, you do, you try to get away with it. And I think it was probably the right call. And, uh, you know, San Diego State, you mentioned it. I mean, Creighton had every chance. Um, you know, this is a team that I felt like the first half, you know, dominant wouldn't be the word I would say to it, but I, I thought they were controlling it to an extent. I like the way the gameplay was rolling out and you just keep looking up at that clock and that scoreboard. And you're like, man, put him away, put him away. Kalkbrenner had a, a bunch of opportunities and, you know, it was interesting when you think back to Kansas state on Saturday and then Creighton on, on Sunday, Gil, both of these teams don't really utilize their bench a ton, uh, especially Creighton. I mean, they don't use their bench almost at all. And they ran out of gas against what seemed to be much deeper teams. FAU very deep, San Diego State pretty deep as well. And I felt like Creighton, as you saw with their three pointers in the second half, they just, to me, they just kind of completely ran out of gas. Yeah. My 40 to 1 uh, future on Creighton goes poof, Tim. That was the end of that. So I'm with Mine you. Mine too. Yeah. Mine um, too, Gil. That was fun. That Miami, Texas game. Again, Texas in control, seemingly. Looks like, okay, Texas is going to coast into the Final Four. Maybe not coast, but they'll, they'll get there. And then as you're watching that game, did you have the sense that I did, which is, and it was so apparent, right? Like if this was an in-game sort of betting thing where you look and you're like, wow, Texas has gotten so stagnant on offense. Their shooters have gotten so tight. And, Tim, those Miami kids – the moment was not anywhere close to being too big for them. They were just ice cold in terms of it, you know, running through their veins. They had no issue with anything. Free throws didn't touch a rim, man. It was just silky smooth. Everything they did, they looked confident. And I guess my question is, like, would you be surprised if any of these four teams won it all? Ooh, um, 
I mean, you know, looking at the betting market, obviously UConn the massive favorite, but I mean, the way this tournament has played out and the look at these point spreads, no, I mean, you can't really be stunned. I mean, Miami's what a five and a half point underdog. I mean, San Diego state was catching seven and a half against Alabama in the sweet 16 and they, they took care of business. So, you know, UConn, I want to get to a stat on UConn here in just a moment, Gil, because they have just been obliterating everybody, but yeah, to Miami, you know, it's wild when you think back to, you know, one of the last Saturdays of the regular season. They're at home. They're playing a terrible Florida State team. They're winning by like 23-24. And somehow they blew that lead. Florida State hits a buzzer beater. And they lose that game at home, which I think was ultimately like a quad four loss, which might have ultimately pushed them back a seed line. And now here in the NCAA tournament, They've had multiple instances in the first round against Drake, where I was on on Drake and watched them just completely crumble. Uh, you know, 55-47, five minutes to go. Miami has no timeouts left, and yet they found a way to close the game on a 16-1 run. And then as as you're watching that game, to your point, I'm thinking, I mean, tech, I, I already in my head, you know, in the first half, early second half, Gil, I'm thinking, you know, Texas UConn's gonna be a pretty damn good Final Four game, mm-hmm. and they just kept coming and coming. And the wild thing was this, right? The Houston game, Houston, who is known to be tremendous defensively, could not figure out Nigel Pack on these ball screens hitting threes. I mean, he went 7 of 10 from three, and the three carried them to that 14-point win against Houston. They went 11 of 25 from three. They only attempted eight threes yesterday. So this team is kind of proving that they can do it on multiple facets. And then, as you mentioned, you know, free throw shooting is so vital and, uh, and they don't miss free throws. So, uh, yeah, I, I was, I was pretty st- surprised, especially how the first 30 minutes went that they were able to pull this out, but you know, they, they, they've kind of proven to be so far in this tournament, kind of those cardiac kids, you know, as to UConn real quickly, I looked this up cause I was thinking in my head when they pulverized Gonzaga on Saturday night, I'm like, <laughs> man, they've, they've not only destroyed everybody, but they're crushing the number. So I went back and I looked it up. They've they've won every game in this tournament by 15 or more, Gil. If you look at the number, the point spread, they have covered the point spread by 17.75 points per game. Goodness. They have murdered everything. They were a nine and a half point favorite against Iona. Down at the half, one by 24. They were a, I believe, a three and a half point favorite against St. Mary's or four point favorite against St. Mary's. They won that game by 15. They were a uh, three and a half point favorite against Arkansas one by 23. And then they closed a two and a half point favorite against Gonzaga and won that game by 28. They have not only been destroying teams, Gil, they've been destroying the number as well. So to use your word, murder, do they commit a homicide on this point spread? Five and a half point favorites total at 149 and a half against Miami. I don't know the way my warped mind thinks. I always am like, all right, well, now everybody's going to be on UConn, so I'm going to have to go on Miami here. Um, you know, the depth does worry me, um, and that worried me about Gonzaga, and it reared its ugly head, right? I mean, Gonzaga's guards don't hold a candle, as crazy as it sounds, to what Miami has. So Miami just throws them at you in waves, but, but the size is what always worried me. I didn't get to the window on UConn. I'm kicking myself for not doing it because a ton of people here at the network did, and they were absolutely right. I mean, that was a... That was a, a rocking chair of a, a victory if you had, you know, UConn on Saturday night. But the size is what worries me here. You know, Norchad Omir for, for Miami is a beast down low, but is he enough? I mean, Adama Sanogo has 
been you know unstoppable it feels like in this tournament and then they go to Kling and the big kid off the bench too so the size the sheer size is what worries me the most but based off of this tournament Gil even though UConn has covered all these numbers with ease I just I can't race and be laying five and a half uh, yeah, I hear you, knowing man. that this is the type of team Miami has been you know all through throughout this tournament real quick uh Aztecs and Owls uh Aztecs favored by two total 131 and a half what's your instinct there my initial thought is, as the Owls just have enough firepower here, um, you know, five of 44, that's what teams have been shooting from three against San Diego State the last two weeks, so or last two games. So that's certainly a concern. My initial lean would be to the Owls, but, you know, San Diego State real quickly as we got to get out of here. Matt Bradley has not played well at all, and yet they're in the final four. So he could turn things around for San Diego State for sure. Tim, really appreciate it, man. Thank you. All right. See you guys. Tim Murray. Co-host again, Beeson Primetime, 6 p.m. Eastern with Sean King here at the network. Coming back with Paul Spore next. A numbers game on VSIN, the sports betting network. March Madness might be winding down, but that doesn't mean there isn't, I should say, still plenty to bet on. Baseball's opening day just around the corner. VSIN Pro has you covered with our MLB betting guide with power rankings and best bets. Our experts also get ready for golf's first major of the year at Augusta. I believe that's called the Masters. This year's upcoming Masters betting guide will break down every golfer in the field, plus futures bets and matchups. Become a VEASAN Pro subscriber today for only $19 at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. You getting pumped for the Masters, Kelly? I am, yeah. You have bets? Yeah? No? Yeah, no. I got a few bets. Okay. We'll get to those. A few bets. We uh, get those this week. We get tweets at beating the book Masters next week. Trip Tepper, who still has a UConn uh, futures ticket at 24-1, to 1, lost his Creighton and Texas ticket. Uh, he says, I owe a ton of credit to VEASAN and all the brilliant hosts. Uh, like Matt Humans, who present listeners with great insight and betting angles. Those bets were made in early January and mostly based on the Ken Palm NCAA tourney formula that Gil reviews annually. Thank you. Appreciate the uh, the nod there. This is, uh, let me go through some, some of these here. Uh, this is from Jared Earls, who's done such a great job with the, uh, you know, tracking our championship formula. Jared Earls says, while there might be an exception to the championship formula this year, the streak of 14 of the last 15 and 15 of the last 17 champs being either a number one seed or UConn is still alive. Well, Jared, UConn, if UConn wins it all, the championship formula didn't really fail. It just has a name next to Kevin Ollie now as an exception to the coach in the Sweet 16. So if UConn wins, the formula sort of held up. If any of the other three win, you can forget about it, which we'll review coming up. Uh, this is, let's see here, do ba doo ba doo Dukes, Dukes in the PNW. Will Hill in a numbers game in general. Thank you for the outstanding advice on Japan pre-World Baseball Classic value, FAU, and San Diego State. I won my bracket pool already. There you go. I like it. Well, again, Will Hill and and Todd Wishnev specifically. Shout out to Jeff Parlay as well. But those two guys specifically on the Megapod, they just nailed, nailed everything. Um Jeff Schwartz, Penn in 1979, the answer to a great trivia question. The Magic versus Bird year, where Michigan State beat Indiana State in the finals. Who were the other two Final Four teams? Penn and DePaul. Penn, everybody. Uh, let's see here. Mm-hmm. Nevada Azer, the refs take it away in the Super Bowl, and they give it back in March Madness. I guess according to his bets. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> viewed through his lens, <laughs> I suppose. Through his lens. <laughs> uh, Jason H11. Gilly, no one cares about this silly basketball thing. What are the tennis picks? Oh, I do have a tennis pick coming up. Dog coming up in Miami. Underdog play. Um, Mark Hansen, my 40 to 1 on Creighton went down in flames yesterday as well, but I have Miami at 105 to 1. UConn looks too strong, so I will hedge a little. 
Uh, Jack Cannon. I know I'm in the minority, but there's a difference between officials allowing a physical in your face, hand checking, calling a game winning in the act of shooting foul. Neymar got beat at the top of the circle and fouled the kid. He has to be called. Yeah, I don't disagree. John Burgo agreed, Gil. Jim Spinarkle mentioned the foul, resetting the shot clock briefly, but quickly moved on. The obsession with leaving no time on the clock in lieu of getting a good shot in end-of-game college basketball situations is maddening. Isles 19, completely agree with your point at the end of the Creighton game, Gil. Absolutely correct, and no one's talking about it. They should have let it play out. Um... One more here. New Jersey, New York, NJNY. Creighton, San Diego State. You can't shoot a 0% from three in the second half, <clears throat> pardon me, and two for 20 from three for the game and complain about a foul call. Regarding Miami, Texas, Miami's shot selection all game was fascinating. Didn't shoot a three until 14 minutes in. Shot two of eight from three all game. Just a very fascinating game plan. First part of that tweet's great. Make your shots then Ab- complain about fouls. Absolutely right. <laughs> by the way, no, and I think, by the way, McDermott in the postgame presser when he was asked about, you know, should it have been a foul, should it not, he immediately dismissed and said, I'm not going to no. complain about that. And I believe that the reason, much of the reason why he went that way is not because he wanted to avoid a controversy or a fine or whatever, is because he knew he messed up ordering that, that foul, the foul to give at 6.7 seconds left. He knew that was a mistake. And so if you focus on the foul that was called, you're kind of deflecting from your responsibility. And I think part of that was why he didn't, he didn't complain about it. Just my hunch. Paul Sporer joins us now. A little transition into baseball. Baseball, this just in, special numbers game investigation reveals that the Major League Baseball season begins on Thursday. Kelly, what? look into that. Would you check in into that? That's you correct. kidding me. Let's double check our work. Paul Sporer joins us from Fangraphs at Sporer on Twitter, S-P-O-R-E-R. How you doing, Paulie? I'm well, Gail. How are you? Good. What's your excitement meter pinning at right now? Oh man, it's it's hitting eleven at least. Spinal tap style here. <laughs> Spinal tap, baby. We we our amps go to eleven. Um. Okay. Let's do this. Well, first of all, real quick before we, because I want to get division by division thoughts here from you. Mm-hmm. But real quick, because you've been on before, but I just want to refresh this. A lot of people I know who aren't necessarily, you know, who are betters who wouldn't necessarily be that excited for the beginning of a baseball season are super pumped because they're anxious to see how the rule changes will manifest and whether it sort of gives them a betting angle. And I think every better worth their salt ought to have that attitude too. You believe Mm -hmm. the biggest impact of the rules, at least to begin with, and we're talking about bigger bases, shift limitations, must have two infielders on each side of second base, the pitch clock, 15 seconds when bases are empty, 20 seconds when runners are on, batters also got to be in place, Eight-second mark. Pickoffs. Pitchers limited to two disengagements for plate appearance. All of this designed to change a home run walk strikeout league or game into promoting singles and doubles and stolen bases and more offense. What do you think is the biggest single thing that we may not have anticipated here that will happen? I mean, the clock for sure, I think is going to change the way a lot of pitchers work and that we already know that the more time you take in between pitches, the faster that you can throw on average, it's, it's like regenerating your health, like a, like standing still in a video game type of deal is how I compare it. And I think that's going to have the biggest effect on relievers. And I think you're in, in lockstep with me there that we're going to see a lot more late inning runs and games can start to change a bit more there. Whereas, you know, you got all these 100 mile an hour guys coming out locking down the game in the sixth inning. Maybe we're going to have a lot more turnover and lead changes late in games because I think relievers are going to be most affected by the pitch clock. A lot of change lead changes late in games. 
I agree with you about the reliever point. But you know what? I said it to Josh Towers, who, you know, unlike you and I, played the game at the highest level. He did a little something. He yeah. did a little something, right? And I said to him, I go, I think that's the biggest thing, right? I used the Araldis Chapman take a lap around the mound example. Yeah. And he he was like, no, I think it's going to help batters. I mean, I, I think it's going to help pitchers, he said. Like, he really, really believes the opposite. Yeah. He I thinks. Think, I think it just, bottom line is, it. I, I, not to dispute a major leaguer, uh, you know, who was out there doing the thing. It's going to be case by case. There's no way it's going to help Pedro Baez. There's no way it's going to help Aroldis Chapman. These guys who are slow that don't adjust, they will not be helped. Other guys probably will, though. I can see what he's saying in terms of finding in the rhythm, getting going. We've heard some guys talk about it. The reason I specify relievers, though, is because they are prone to taking longer. I think yes. some starters will get helped by it. So maybe there's some lower scoring early in games, and then it shifts to later in games as an overall trend. But I really do think a lot more relievers are going to be hurt by it. Starters, I can definitely see. And Towers was a starter, so maybe he's focused more on how the starters are going to be impacted. I I cannot agree that that relievers are going to be helped by it. Some might, but I think more will be hurt by it than not as far as relievers. I'm so with you. And I think that that will create a lot of in-game betting opportunities that might otherwise Mm -hmm. not have existed in previous seasons. But as, as you also quipped before, you're like, you know, if this was prime Mark Burley, some guys wouldn't even notice it, right? The pitch clock. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, I'm sure he would be like, man, I, I, I would have thrived in this. Uh, you know, I would have no issues converting to this. And some guys, again, will probably find themselves in a rhythm where they're like, hey, this is actually way better. I used to take too long. Mm-hmm. But others are going to struggle. And and like I said, not to keep beating the dead, dead horse here, but the relievers are the ones I think are going to have the biggest negative impact. All right. Let's go division by division. And you're kind enough to do a double header with me today with the Megapod coming up. So thank you for that. I cannot wait for no that. No problem. Let's go American League East. Let's. I always, for some reason, you grow up with whatever Same. with whatever your, your local newspaper. That's exactly right. So I grew up in the Washington Post, and because we were Orioles fans, generation between the Senators and the Nationals, we're, like it's AL East, AL Central, AL West. Then we go NL. Yep. It's exactly like that. So let's start with the AL East, where of course the Yankees rule the roost, or at least are predicted every year to rule the roost. But there's always contenders. The Rays being chief among them. Uh, each and every year perennially, but there's Blue Jays uh, thoughts as well this year from a lot of folks. And so if you look at the current division odds, and I'll take them from DraftKings in the American League East, the Yankees are plus 130, the Jays are 2-1, to one, the Rays are plus 340, then you have the uh, Red Sox at 15-1 to one and the Orioles at 25-1. to one. Is there a bet there? I think I think maybe the Rays, uh, you know, that's a team I consistently like. Uh, obviously, everyone knows them these days, but you, you still look at the talent, and they do it with the no names, so they still tend to get pretty good odds, even though they are a consistent contender. Love what the Yankees are doing, though, calling up Volpe, and I did not think he had a path to get there because of all their um, middle infield clutter, so to speak, because, you know, with IKF on the team and DJ LeMahieu and Glaber Torres, I was like, I don't know how he's going to get there. Peraza's already on the 40-man he he won the job. They actually stuck to their word that it was a competition and he won the job. I think he is the best guy for the job as far as uh, hitting talent. I'm not sure about the defensive piece. Their rotation has taken a big hit, though. They got a guy named Johnny Brito in there. Do, do you know if that's a real guy? I'm not 100% sure. Um, I kind of <laughs> like Clark Schmidt. But, you know, he's now like, what, they're two or three. So in, in it didn't take long for their rotation to get absolutely hit. And that scares me a little bit for the Yankees. Okay. so But no bet I'm hearing in this division? No, not not for them. For the Rays. Is who for I the Rays. For. You would you would take a flyer on the Rays here? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right. Rays. Uh, we'll do the, the other five divisions as well. And by the way, Paul, just as a rule, if you don't know if they're a real person in baseball, <laughs> I probably don't know if they're a real person in baseball. 
Uh, we'll do the other two divisions in the American League and all three in the National League. Paul Spore, it's a numbers game at Visa, the Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. A numbers game on VSIN, the sports betting network. And remember, Kelly, I keep telling you, if you got COVID... Paxlovid. Oh, are we on the air? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Even a wager that misses could still be a slam dunk with BetMGM, an authorized gaming partner of the NBA. Place an NBA one-game parlay wager with four legs or more, and if you miss one leg, you'll receive up to $25 back. Just opt into this promotion on BetMGM's app or website. With one-game parlay, you can make selections within a single NBA game, including team and player props. Opt into the promotion, then place an NBA one-game parlay wager, four legs or more, and you'll get up to 25 bucks back if you miss one leg. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. All promotions subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, Nevada, or New York. Steve Fezzik is kind enough to uh, text uh, here. He says, uh, greatest 100 seconds of sports betting show history. He says, special investigative numbers game study has revealed MLB is starting. Spinal Tap 11 reference. Then a tremendous 60-second breakdown of rule changes and why the scoring is going up. He says, need, we, we need MLB season win picks from your MLB, MLB experts. And I, and I said to him, I guess, we will. That's going to be on the Megapod again, which we're recording right after this with Paul Spore, Jason Weingarten, and Adam Burke making his baseball Megapod uh, debut. Yeah, take it easy, Steve. I'll text you later what I've got going. You know, By the I, way, I know that's what he's asking about. And then, uh, you know, tomorrow on the show, for those who missed this on Twitter this weekend, Steve and Chrissy, I don't know if it's a kerfuffle, but they got in a little back and forth. Mm-hmm. So Chrissy Andrews, my mishpoka, is coming on the show tomorrow to because uh, he has things to say. And here's my thing is I like both of these guys, right? Chrissy's my mishpoka, first of all. Steve I like very much. But I guess they, they, Chrissy wants to, wants to sort of get the truth out about something. So we're going to give him a pause to do so. Now, air to do so. Everybody get out their popcorn. But what I'm saying is I respect both people. I just want to make that clear. This is not a, ooh, get that guy kind of thing. Twitter Beef Tuesday on a numbers game. Twitter Beef Tuesday. 106.1, the buzz. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know what happened there. Paul Spore kind enough to uh, join us here for a second segment. Uh, let's go AL Central, Pauly. Pauly's doing a doubleheader with me today. I love it. Uh, AL Central, where your Tigers reside. Uh, mm. Yet there they are with the Royals in their perennial positions, 30-1 to 1, to win that division. It is a three-headed monster, as it has been in recent history. Guardians, the short shot, plus 130. Twinkies, plus 215. And the White Sox, 
who have been the En Vogue club here in recent seasons prior to the season beginning at plus 250. What do you like here? I'm going back to the White Sox. You know, I love the talent. Never was a fan of TLR being re-signed there, you know, or brought in there. I should say, I, I didn't think that was a good fit. Kind of feel like the game's passed him by. Interesting to see what Pedro Griffin can do this year, but I, I still think there's just a ton of talent. Love what the Guardians did last year, and I'm not exactly thinking that they're going to fall apart, but they should. They're probably going to be some regression there. They got a lot of positive seasons from guys. Probably going to smooth back out a little bit. I, I think the White Sox have an opportunity to jump up there. Can we get a, a glossary for Spore, by the way? We've got IKF with Isaiah kiner Falefa. We've got a, a TLR now with Tony LaRusso. It's a accompanying glossary for, for Pauly. Uh, okay, American League West, where, no surprise, the Astros are the favorite, minus 175. Shocking. But then you have the Mariners at plus 320. The Angels, with arguably the two best players on the planet, plus 750. Not even arguably. Not even arguably. You're probably right in Trout and Otani. Rangers, who I expect a bump from this year, plus 850. And then mm-hmm. one of these teams is not like the other, Paul. The Athletics are 250 <laughs> to 1. The poor athletics there. Uh, it's really tough. Yeah, you know, Astros, I think, are pretty good, but uh, they're, they're experiencing some issues. You know, obviously Altuve going down. Uh, they lost Justin Verlander. I think they're still a good team. I understand why they're the favorite, but I'm kind of looking at some of the other teams in there going back to the Angels because I don't learn. I like to touch the hot stove. It feels good on my skin, and so I'm <laughs> doing it again. Yeah. I do worry a bit about the bullpen, uh, but a bullpen can be built on the fly. We've seen it time and time again with teams. Uh, I really think the rotation is, is quite strong for the first time in a while with them. The the lineup is very good. You know, even if somebody like Anthony Rendon doesn't stay healthy, they've got a strong, deep lineup. Taylor Ward, Trout Otani, uh, Renfro coming in, Drury coming in. So I'm going back to the well with the Angels. I like the the Rangers too, and I might even be interested in like a half unit flyer if they somehow rise up to win the division. But I like them more for like an over under on on their wins total because yeah. that is an intriguing ball club. I like what the Rangers are doing long term so, for sure. So the one season win total I played Rangers over for all kinds of I reasons like that go back to Pythagorean theorem and base runs and obviously their acquisitions. National League, the Braves are plus one ten. The Mets who will not have Edwin Diaz. This year, mm-hmm. plus 175, the Phillies plus 370. Then you'd have the Marlins at 22 to 1, and oh, the poor Nats, 250 to 1. Yeah. Uh, Braves, Mets, Phillies, which, which I assume you're not going Marlins, but maybe I shouldn't assume that. Which way are you no. going here? I mean, I probably just go with the, uh, with, with the Mets there. I know that they took the big hit with Edwin, but you know, they're not the favorite right now. So I'll take the little extra, extra number there. I like the Braves. I think they're good. I just, I'm not super interested in making a play in this division generally, but if I'm going to go anywhere, it would be with the Mets. I still think they have tons of talent. Uh, They're very committed. So I think they could go out and get like a David Bednar or Scott Barlow from one of the lower tier teams, take their closer fill in, but I think they're going to stay competitive. And uh, obviously they have just gobs of talent as do the Braves, but I I just don't want to take a favorite in a division race. Like, yeah, and it, it should be pointed out. Like, I mean, here we are. It's a 162-game schedule. You know, can you catch everything perfectly at its at its low, at its nadir, and then, you know, make a bet? You know, again, I, I talk about the year the Dodgers lost in the World Series to the Astros. Somehow I timed it perfectly when they were 16-26-1, got them mm-hmm. at 25-1. It didn't quite get there. But there's so many opportunities to make bets during the season. Now, there are cases where if you wait, the train might leave the station and you'll never have a chance to, sure. uh, to make the bet if some team just flies out of the gates that you like. 
but it's uh, but but making a bet now in a division like that just doesn't seem like a uh, a proper thing to do in any respect. National League Central, maybe the same can be said here. The Cardinals are minus one twenty five, Brewers plus one seventy five, and the Cubbies are plus six fifty. The Pirates and the Reds bringing up the rear. Yeah, I, I think the Cubs are doing some interesting things. And again, maybe you go for like a half unit uh, in, in, a, in a Rangers type style. I like the Rangers better, but it's that same sort of vibe where I don't love it, but I, I could see it if you're really hot on the Cubs. Brewers, if I'm making a play here, same kind of uh, situation I was talking about with the Mets in the East. I don't necessarily just want to play a favorite. And the Cardinals are obviously a major favorite there, whereas the Braves at least had plus money. Um, I like the Brewers. They got two aces. Uh, Freddie Peralta is still very good. They have a decent lineup, but I'm probably not locking up any money here with the Brewers. I'd rather just play things in season as opposed to locking up that money for six months. You and I have talked about that before. Yeah. And so so here's the West of the National League where the Dodgers are minus 125 and the Padres are plus 135. Not much separation, mm-hmm. really, relatively speaking. Giants are 10 to 1. D-backs 55 to 1. Rockies 180 to 1. Um. You like the Diamondbacks as you did the Angels with the season win total over. Do you like them as a flyer here? Yeah, I would take the flyer because I do think if everything really came together, they could make some big noise. Again, you're talking more half unit there. You're not you're not putting all your bankroll on that. Uh, you want to play them in season, find some things like you said, try to find that perfect moment. Uh, but I like this team. I really do. I think the baby snakes, their lineup is really sharp. Their pitching starting to come together. I don't love that they signed Zach Davies to kind of cut off one of their big trio of Ryan Nelson, Brandon Fott, and uh, Dre Jamison. I like all three of those guys. They should have two of them in the rotation right now, but because they re-signed Davies and they still have Bumgarner's corpse. Only one made it with Nelson, but I think they have pitching reinforcements. Uh, Gallon and Kelly at the top is pretty nice too. Lineup is awesome. Bullpen leaves some questions, which is can always be scary. But like I said, you can build that on the fly. Guys can rise up. I mean, Dre Jamison's going to be in the bullpen to start, and maybe they just say, you know what, you're going to be a high leverage guy. Maybe he takes over the closers role. Or he's the fireman. So they've got some pitching there that can kind of make up for the uh, bullpen deficiencies right now. I do like them. As far as the favorites, I mean. I think the Padres should maybe be the favorite. So the fact that they're not gives me a little bit of intrigue on them for the division as well. I think the Dodgers, you know, they don't have their Avengers lineup. It's still solid. They still have superstar talent without a doubt, but it it gets pretty dry there at the back end of that lineup for the first time in a long time with them. And the rotation isn't as deep. And I do think that there's going to be some concerns with them with the shift being regulated. Uh, a lot of those guys take advantage of, of the shift quite a bit with their contact management guys like Gonsolin and Julio Urias. I think Urias will still be very good. Gonsolin, I, I have some concerns about his health and his talent. Kershaw, you know you're getting like a buck 20. I don't know that we're getting a full season out of Dustin May yet. I root for Thor, but I'm also honest about where his skills are. And Ryan Pepio got the fifth starters role. Interesting talent, but really more of a reliever. He has 40 grade command at best on the 2080 scale, which is below average. So I think the Dodgers are a little bit flawed this year. I would go Padres there and then Diamondbacks for my flyer. But if I'm reading your favorite one of all those is the Angels in the AL West? Yes, Gil. (laughs) Embarrassed as he is. Aries is favorite of all. I'll just ride with Otani and Trout and just piss away all my money on them. We'll see. We'll see. This could be the year, Paulie. Better be the year. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, we'll talk to you in about an hour, man, for the Megapod. Sounds great. My man, Paul Spore at S-P-O-R-E-R from Fangraphs and beyond. We'll come back. Ken Lavica 
FAU's Florida Atlantic's play-by-play guy waited 16 years for this moment, and it almost didn't happen. Those details on the other side. Next, Numbers Game, Visa, the Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.